Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From high above Oriole Park at Camden Yards, inside the warehouse, this is the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, and now joined by Adam Pohl, the voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming. This is exciting. Thank you for the applause. Bob. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> Thank it's, you. it's exciting because like we've. I mean, I'll be honest. Orioles podcast nowadays are kind of a struggle, um, <laughs> just because the team obviously is not doing too well. But the rebuild is underway, and we're, we're very excited to hear about what you have to say about the young players coming up from Bowie and what you've seen this season from some of the young guys. So I'm, I'm excited for this episode. This is yeah. Great. So let's start with the fact that you're coming off a very high note. The season ended <laughs> yesterday. Yes. And Bowie was on the right side of a 17 to six romp yesterday. Just it, about, I believe everybody in the lineup had a hit. Correct. Zach Pop got the win, uh, Bannon, Mountcastle, all those guys had hits. So you're, you're riding a great wave right now. Yeah, you know, it was wild. The, the Bay Sox hit seven home runs Ooh. in the game. Uh, so it was an exciting finish. Uh, obviously, the minor leagues are about developing players. Uh, you want to win, for us, that work uh, within it. Yeah. Whether manager, broadcaster, you know, coaches, players. You know, they're there to win. Obviously, the better you play, the more you win, the quicker you go up. I mean, it all correlates together. Yeah. For the Bay Sox, this year was an interesting season. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just had such a talented club early in the year. But um, some of our veteran starting pitching options kind of fell apart a little bit early. Gotcha. Uh, you know, pitchers that obviously Oriole fans don't have on the top of their prospect radar. Yeah. But in... in in essence, uh, midway through the season, the Bay Sox had one true dominant starter, mm -hmm. Keegan Aiken. Yep. And then on the other four nights, uh, you had a less than 50% chance of winning. And what the trades did was obviously they provided uh, even more depth. Austin mm -hmm. Hayes then came up the disabled list at a similar time, which was an enormous uh, boost for Bowie. Yeah. Uh, but we got seven new players, and three of them were starting pitchers, and all of a sudden... It's amazing when you get when you get consistent starting pitching. I mean, even if a guy gives up four runs, when they're getting through six or seven innings, it makes your bullpen better. Yeah, and, and you're able to just start to put together wins and all season long. The Bay Sox had a great lineup, so it's been a fun year, even though it was a playoffless season. Gotcha. Yeah, you mentioned the minor leagues are all about bringing up players and mm -hmm. grooming talent, but still, these guys are comp competitors. They're competing. They still want to win. Yes, they're building for the future, but they're also playing for a team. And like you said, then they get interjected with these couple of new guys. What was the dynamic with that when the players, the new guys, came over from those trades the Orioles made, and then getting interjected in this lineup, and then the roster, whatever, and then you know, kind of a new life in the in the, in the minor league team. Undoubtedly, and it wasn't even just. Hard for the new guys. It's hard for the the older guys that are there too. Um, obviously, the the Orioles traded for fifteen different players. Yeah, thirteen of them uh, were, are at Double A. Finished the year at Double A or higher this season. Uh, many are in the major leagues right now. Mm -hmm. But um, but for the uh, uh, for the Bay Sox, we had seven of those players. Yeah. So that's almost one third of your roster. And when you look at that, uh, a good thing. What our manager continued to say was. Nobody was released uh, uh, with the Orioles making trades. A few guys from AAA went up, so we actually had about three or four guys that went up to Norfolk. Uh, then we had a few players that went onto the disabled list. And, and in the end, nobody was, was cut. But it did take a little bit of time because, you know, when you're bringing in Yusniel Diaz, 
Yeah, well, we had the Carolina League MVP, Adamar Rifaela. Mm -hmm. Rifaela was having a tough year in Bowie, mm -hmm. but still he was playing every day, and now he's playing two days a week. Yeah. And that, that's, that, you know, it, it's a tricky situation in any ball club uh, when that happens. So, uh, so it was an adjustment, but, but it really took a little bit of time. And, and for the Bay Sox as, a, as an entity, as a whole unit, Bowie in our 12-team Eastern League had the second best record in August. So the Machado trade happened in the middle of July. We got the final two players from the Gaussman O'Day deal, uh, Bruce Zimmerman mm. and Brett Cumberland. They came to Bowie right at the end of July. Right. And uh, Hayes was activated on August 7th. And it, it just seemed like we kind of took off after that. Yeah, it's, And it's nice that actually that influx of talent can immediately translate to wins. It's a shame almost... It wasn't an extra month of the season because you guys might have been able to make a playoff push. If There's no doubt about it. We, we were talking about it throughout. Yeah. Boy, if we had this team one month earlier, what could it have been? But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it is what it is. We yeah. were that team. They always say, you know, you can't win the pennant in April, but yeah. you can lose it. Yeah. And yep. for the Bay Sox, for us, it was June. I mean, we were a 500 team going into mid-May, from mid-May to the end of June. Uh, we really struggled. And, and even though we played excellent baseball down the stretch, we were just too far behind. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Keegan Aiken, and I'm glad you did right off the top. Because yeah. pitcher of the year. Almost won the Triple Crown. I believe he fell a little bit short in the Eastern yes, League. Yes, very, but yeah. pretty darn impressive that he got close. Uh, ERA wins and strikeouts right there among the Eastern League leaders. This guy has slowly been developing, and I don't think many people expected this kind of season from him, but he was dominant this season. Undoubtedly. You look, the Orioles' 2016 draft was very heavily focused at collegiate pitching. Mm -hmm. And that means that you're looking for pitchers that it won't take that long to get to the major leagues. Right. Cody Sedlock has struggled. He's had some injury issues. He has not pitched past advanced A. Frederick. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthias Dietz was a top junior college sign. Hard thrower, but he struggled at, at, it's taken him some time at each level. He struggled a little bit in 17 in Delmarva, then pitched better here in 18 there, went up to Frederick the end of 18 and struggled. So Keegan Aiken has been the most advanced of these pitchers. He was the second round draft choice. Uh, out of Western Michigan, so kind of a smaller but still D1 school, right. Mac Pitcher of the Year. And, and what stands out with Aiken is that, you know, he's not trying to fool anybody. Uh, a big thing I'm seeing in, in Major League Baseball is pitchers are throwing less fastballs. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they might on average be throwing only half their pitches as fastballs. Right. And this whole notion of being the power pitcher, I, this is my fastball and I'm going to establish my fastball, and then maybe start right. mixing in my other stuff later, second, yeah. third time to the order. Yeah. You don't see that as much in the major leagues now. So when you see a guy that's able to do that at the double-A level, 22 years old, meaning he's two years un under the average age, and I mean, he, uh, of a double-A player, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I bet he throws 80, 85% fastballs. I mean, he's literally like, here it is, come see it. Guys just don't get a good look at it. Yeah. I, maybe it's the spin rate, maybe it's the way he hides it. He's got a low 90s fastball from the left side, and he gets a ton of swings and misses, and that's really exciting. So obviously it's September, September call-ups are on the way. Our MassInSports.com is Rocco Bacco. Got to talk to Buck Showalter out in Seattle. And mm -hmm. the, right now the Orioles don't have plans to bring Keegan Aiken up for September. Where do you fall in line with that? I mean, again, he's only 23. He's a young guy. Correct. They're, they like where he's at right now and how he finished the season. Do you, do you agree with that decision not to call him up in September, or would you like to see him maybe make his major league debut? 
I'm sorry, Keegan, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with it. He, he's had a long season. Um, I think a lot of it with pitchers is innings. Yeah. And Aiken missed a little bit of time in, in 2017. Mm. Uh, that was his first full season. So I, I'd have to look at it. But I would assume he threw at least 20 or 30 more innings this year than last. If you ask Keegan Aiken right now, would he want to go to Baltimore? It wouldn't. It wouldn't take him long to say yes. Yeah. But but Keegan Aiken. Um, but but th this is a process. Right. I, yeah. Just the fact that he's not going to pitch for the Orioles in September of eighteen, more than likely, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be somebody that's pressing to be there at some point in nineteen. My guess is that Keegan Aiken will start twenty nineteen in the Norfolk Tides rotation, and then we'll just see how it plays out. Right. And, but if he pitches like he did this year, in his game, he's kind of a fly ball pitcher, which you worry about a little bit in the American League East. Yeah. But boy, yeah, but in Norfolk, I mean, that the ball does not travel there at all. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he has great success out of the gate in Norfolk, and he's pushing to be in Baltimore uh, really by kind of the middle of next year. And this is a multi-year rebuild, so there's no sense in right. rushing these guys up yeah. that's quickly. And um, obviously, Keegan Aiken is going to be a big part of this rebuild. They want him to be a staple in this rotation eventually in Baltimore, so there's no sense in rushing him. Correct. And looking at it even more globally for the players that uh, came to the Bay Sox via trade, of the seven guys that came to Bowie, there were really only two of them that had any double A time right, yeah. uh, before the trade. So Dean Kramer has been outstanding in Bowie, but Dean Kramer had made one double A start before coming to Bowie. So it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he starts next year with the Bay Sox. I mean, he might start next year at Norfolk, but you would think, well, maybe he might be a guy that'd get a September call up. But you have to realize you know, he's still very young in very his career. Well. Usniel Diaz and Dylan Tate would be the only pitchers or only players that is, Tate, a pitcher, uh, Diaz, an outfielder, that have had substantial double-A time before the Orioles made these trades. Diaz and Tate each came over as kind of the jewel of their trade. Yosniel uh, Diaz was really the centerpiece of that Manny Machado trade, and then Dylan Tate was probably the centerpiece of that Zach Britton trade to mm -hmm. the Yankees. The two guys have had mixed success in the month that they were with Bowie. Sure. What have you seen from those guys, and do you think that they can – progress next year and hopefully get to the big leagues in a couple of years. They're, yes, undoubtedly. I think Tate, you know, Tate's numbers weren't great in Bowie, but I, yeah. I think Tate might even be closer. Dylan Tate was coming off of the disabled list when he was traded, mm -hmm. so that was tricky. I mean, yeah. he hadn't pitched in three weeks. He's about to make a start in Trenton, and he gets pulled from the start in the hour before the game because he had been traded. So the fact that it took him a few starts to get going mm -hmm. Uh, he's a much different pitcher than Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer. He doesn't get as many swings and misses with his fastball, even though it's interesting because he throws harder. Yeah. Uh, but he's well. He's way more of a ground ball guy, and I, I feel like at the big leagues with the kind of defense that you have at this you know level mm -hmm. down the road here in Baltimore, that your hope is that that translates and correlates to even better numbers yeah. uh, than he had in, in Bowie. So. I think that uh, Tate's very interesting. He is the oldest player of the ones that came to Bowie overall. Right. He was the number four pick of the 15 draft. Diaz is only 21 years old, but for Diaz, uh, I mean, he's a ball player that just shows tools. But <laughs> the, it, it's he's just not a dominant double A player yet. Yeah. I mean, when you see him on the right night, it's whoa. Yeah. You know, um, one of the last games of the year in Bowie, mm -hmm. three for four, showed off a great arm. His hit three line drives to every, you know, hit a line drive to every field. Yeah. Like, well, when he hits a home run, it's not scraping the wall. I mean, it's literally, you know, it's yeah. way in the night, you know. Yeah. So, 
but um, but he's made some. Uh, he's made quite a few base running mistakes in his month in Bowie. He's been an inconsistent ball player. Um, he's got good speed, but he's not a great base stealer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an excellent arm, uh, which which has really played well at the AA level. Um, so I think he just he, he needs to mature. He, he just needs some more time. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in AAA for the majority of next year. Okay. Speaking of Diaz and that Manny Machado trade, another player that came over from the Dodgers system is Zach Pop. Yes. A big kid. Uh, he's a big fan of his last name. I'm loving Pop. Uh, it's a it's a big link it's a name. Fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a fun name. It's got to be a help as a broadcaster, um, especially. Yes, yes. But 21 years old, he's 6'4", 220. He's a big guy, and he hadn't played pitched in Double A until he came over to Bowie, and then he pitched a two ERA, I believe, of two five three. Right. In 14 appearances, so pretty solid for a big guy who coming over to a new team and a new level. And keep in mind, in his first outing, he gave up three runs, and he did not get an out. Yeah. So as a reliever, a start, but that's hard. To, so he basically pitched to a sub two ERA, mm-hmm. other than his debut with Bowie. Right. Pop is probably is uh, so interesting. One one of the things that we've been talking about the timing of these guys coming up. Yeah. Bruce Zimmerman, Zach Pop, and Ryland Bannon were three players, all collegiate ball players, that were drafted in 2017 that were finished the year in Bowie. The Orioles, in their top 10 rounds, and that might be 11 players of the 17 draft, they drafted seven college players, and not one of them made it, has ever played a game at Bowie. Okay. And some of them are some of our you know, guys that we're going to talk about in years to come, Michael yeah. Bauman and mm-hmm. Zach Lowther, that, that were just outstanding in Frederick this year. So, so really, Pop, I mean, so ahead of the game in that regard, he started the year in low A in the uh, Dodgers organization. He went to high A Rancho Cucamonga. And he might have the greatest ERA in team history because he gave up one run in 27 innings and, and then had already been promoted to Tulsa. 3-3. Yeah, 0.33 ERA. That's pretty good. Yeah. That'll work. And then he came, he came to Bowie, so he that, that was a tough thing. Like, you get traded and then you're going to double A, which is, they always say the biggest jump in the minors mm-hmm. for a ball player is from high A to double A. And the biggest jumps to the majors, right? But yeah. it, it, within yeah. the minor yeah, leagues, exactly. right? So, so pop, it, it's really exciting, and in a way, he's kind of like a right-handed Zach Britton. I mean, that's it's hard to put him on that uh, pedestal because yeah. Zach was such a, a an incredible pitcher and a starter coming up through the minor exactly, leagues. A lot of times, yeah. your best relievers are actually starters in in the minors, right? Um, some people actually think Dylan Tate might be that kind of guy that he could be a dominant late inning reliever. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, with, with with a guy like Pop, I mean, he, it, it, I like guys that you know what they're throwing mm-hmm. and you still can't hit. <laughs> right, yeah. So Aiken's like that, Kramer's like that, and Pop is like that. Pop throws a mid-90s two-seam fastball that can touch the 97, 98s, yeah. and then he's got a slider. But he's all about getting ground balls, and, and um, that's the thing. You know, if he walks a guy, all of a sudden, boom, ground ball, double play. Yeah. And uh, he, very effective, yeah, very absolutely. effective in Bowie. He's got a lot of stuff that can play, and he's just 21 years old, as you mentioned. Ryan Mountcastle, another yes. guy who's 21 years old, one of the younger guys on this team. He definitely has the offense. That much, I think, we can say for sure. He hit close to 300 uh, with Bowie with 13 homers. The defense is certainly a concern. 16 sure. errors in 81 games. How much are you concerned about the defense? We see a lot of guys, you know, Buck Walter has said we want to make sure that he can play defensively at this level. Correct. Before, and Buck Walter has said we want to make sure that he can play defensively at this level. Correct. Before anything else can develop. How worried would you be about Ryan Mountcastle's defense at this point? 
Well, you know, I, so the, the big question about Mountcastle mm -hmm. is can he be an everyday third baseman yeah. in the major leagues? Mm -hmm. And my take on it is not, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a different way to look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he has to be a third baseman. I, I'm not saying, the, the good thing about Mountcastle is that when he came to Bowie late in 17, he really struggled. Yeah. And immediately when he started with the Bay Sox in 18, I'm, and I'm just talking defensively, you could tell that he put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And for me, that so much of the minor leagues is improving. I mean, you know, these guys are at double A for a reason. If they yeah. were good enough, they'd be here yeah. now, yeah. right? So, so that's kind of the joke. If you want to be in the major leagues, play better. Yeah. But the, the reality with a guy like Mountcastle is that he's 21 years old. Mm -hmm. I talked about it a little bit earlier, the average double-A player is 24. To hit 300, yeah. to do so with power in the middle of the order, I mean, th this, this is, it's abnormal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, what, what he has shown as a hitter, and one Orioles scout talked to me and said, Adam, the bat makes the player. You know, so hmm. a lot of guys, defense can take you to the major leagues. Can they hit enough for Mountcastle? His bat is going to be, especially, I mean, he's really a young looking guy. He's, when you look, when you meet him, you're like, whoa, this guy's young. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's, he's, he's going to gain so much strength. You already see an increase in home runs and some power numbers this season. I just think that, um, I think in three or four years, when Mountcastle's 24, 25 years old, he's going to be a middle of the order bat for the Orioles. And, you know, hopefully he improves enough to be an average third baseman, but I don't think he has to. I think that he could be an outstanding first baseman. Maybe he's in left field. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a guy that hits enough that you can't keep him out of the lineup. Yeah. And he's going to be a great Oriole. I really believe that. Wow. And we saw this year even, I saw he played, what, 20 games as a DH? So, yeah. you know, they found ways to work him into the lineup wherever it was. It wasn't, they weren't letting his defense hold him back. Correct. Um, Undoubtedly. Yeah. Another Ryan that Orioles fans are very popular. <laughs> I was very like Ryan McKenna. Yeah. He started with Frederick this season, earned a midseason promotion to Bowie. Um, he tore up at Frederick. He was destroying. He was hitting 377, which is absurd, almost 400. And then it kind of came back down to earth when he hits Bowie. You mentioned the toughest jump is from single A to boot double A. Was that kind of the case with Ryan McKenna and playing the outfit? Or was yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's a good question. Uh, McKenna did. I, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does in Bowie next year. Yeah. You saw it with Mountcastle last season offensively. Uh, McKenna made it up to Bowie a little bit earlier. McKenna and Mountcastle, by the way, they're the exact same age. They're born they're three like, days apart. Yeah, each other. That's and they're roommates, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, but McKenna plays the leadoff game. He's got a very good eye at the plate. Takes a lot of pitches. Um, so that's a good good thing. You know, there have been a lot of players. Baltimore, you know, this last generation of the Orioles was uh, there. There was. Uh, you know, there wasn't a huge on-base percentage right, aspect yeah. to the Orioles. High homers, but high strikeouts too. Yeah. Exactly. So McKenna, uh, for me, struck out a lot this year in Double A. Um, he got beat by a lot of fastballs. Mm -hmm. But man, 21 years old, he hit 377 in yeah. Frederick. <laughs> I mean, I, I broadcast Frederick uh, from 2007 to 2013. I'll tell you, there, there was never a player that hit 377 and a half, yeah. and he did it as a 21-year-old. I mean, a lot of times guys dominate a level and they're two or three years older than the average age of that level and you get it. But I mean, 377, yeah. I mean, what, what a year. And for players in full season, mm -hmm. he led the entire organization in batting average for, full, for players that played the entire season. Yeah. So just an outstanding year for McKenna. 
and you'll be more than likely the leadoff hitter, starting center fielder, everyday ball player, and maybe you know, looking at him being in Bowie the majority of next, next year, year, and it'll be a big season for him. Yeah. Keeping it in the outfield, and let's talk about Austin Hayes, because yes. what a second half of the season he really had. Obviously dealt with injuries the majority of the season, really the middle part, played just 66 games this year. Uh, and struggled out of the gate, but the second half, he had a power surge once he came back from yeah. from injury. And to me, when we went down to Bowie, Mass and All Access made that Bowie Bay Sox trip, mm -hmm. he just has the swag of a major leaguer. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He just has some quiet confidence, and he, he's very well-spoken, and I just feel like this guy, and I think a lot of people who have watched him think that he could be a everyday major league outfielder for the Orioles within the next couple seasons. There's no doubt. And I'll, I'll put it even differently. I think, and we got to see what happens. I mean, yeah. wh where will Adam Jones be next season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so beloved here in Baltimore. Yeah. And, uh, and what's going to happen at first base? You know, will there be any movement with players there that allows Mancini to not be in the outfield all the time, but to be at first base? I mean, I, you can make a scenario play out uh -huh. where there's a lot of corner outfield time available yeah. in Baltimore in 2019. Now, you re-sign Adam Jones, uh, you keep Trumbo and Davis are playing every day, Mancini. I, I see how it wouldn't be, but yeah. there's there's a chance. Yeah. And if there's that, if that plays out, mm -hmm. why not Austin Hayes? I mean, he, he was the first player from the 2016 draft to reach the major leagues. I feel like a lot of his issues early this season were due to injury. Mm -hmm. But he told me something last week that I thought was very, very interesting. Hayes, for, when I put my two forearms, this is Hayes' forearm right here. <laughs> These are my two forearms together. So when, when Hayes, I feel like he almost maybe got too buff. And how do you ask somebody that, you right. know? Yeah. So I asked Austin in our last interview of the year, I asked him, I said, you know, you, so much of your game is built on quickness. I mean, he's a quick ball player mm -hmm. in the field defensively, makes him a good defender, he's got a good arm, but his quick hands are his game. And I'm like, do you feel like, you know, the fact that you got even bigger, like last year you hit 330 with 30 homers in the minors. Right. Did you really need to change your body? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And when I saw him this year, he looked different to me. Uh -huh. You know, not in a bad way. Right. But yeah. like it, he looked like he put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. Wow. And he said, he goes, you know, I injured my shoulder early in the year. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But uh, but when I went on the deal with my ankle injury, I lost 10 pounds. I went on a diet over those two months, and I feel like myself again at the huh. plate. Flexibility is so big in the game of baseball. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people feel like more, this is more going on yeah. a little tangent here, but, yeah, yeah. but a lot of people feel like with pitching, why are there so many more injuries? Why can't pitchers throw as long as they did 40 years ago? Yeah. Well, I, I'd love to ask Jim Palmer this, <laughs> yeah. but uh, my guess would be that he would say, well, we didn't lift all these weights, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and we were so much more flexible, durable. These guys are, are rocks. Yeah. And in essence, their muscles tear and, you, you know, right. Yeah. So with Hayes, that was his thinking that, that, you know, he said, Adam, I am now going to try to maintain this playing weight. There's ways that I can make my body better yeah. to handle the rigors of a, of a long season of playing every day. Uh, but I want, uh, but I think that I am where I need to be right now. He averaged an RBI a game coming off the disabled wow. list. Um, the power was there. The exciting thing as, you know, kind of a baseball nerd per se that I am, is that, look, 
major pull power. And then you just see it, the shift comes. Right, right? yeah. And then all of a sudden you just see Hayes, just hit that little ground ball to the right side nice. of the field. And you just think, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, then, and then the defense changes to play regular and then there he is pulling the ball again. So he, he's an exciting ball player. And I think that if he's able to do in Baltimore, be healthy and put together a, a span. I mean, if he puts together a, even one month or two weeks, like we saw over many stretches of Bowie, he's going to become a fan favorite. And my my guess is that Hayes is going to have a real chance to be on the Orioles' opening day opening roster day in wow. 19. He'll be one of those guys mm -hmm. that if he has the big spring, he could be here. Well, by the way, one problem I've never had is being too buff. That's yeah. something that has never you? I don't know, you? Paul. At any this. point Look at this. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think I think Orioles fans with Austin Hayes, I mean, not frustrated, maybe just a little disappointed because he was big. He oh. came up last year yeah. in 20 games, didn't perform as well, kind of had sure. some and then he obviously got hurt this year. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe you didn't touch on this in your end-of-season interview with him, but, like, does he have, like, a program set for this off-season, and, like, is he going to get back to being buff, or is he going to try to stay the same Yeah, he's going to try to stay the same way, but the biggest thing the Orioles are going to try to do, he missed two months with this weird cyst in his ankle, yeah. and he's frustrated because, literally, in the end, he got this cortisone shot. They were trying to say stay off of it. He was in a boot, and, and it'll, you know, basically, the, 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 the swelling will subside, yeah. and they didn't realize exactly what it was. And so in the end, he finally was able to play play after getting a cortisone shot, and that was enormous. But he missed two months, so he's going to play in the Arizona Fall League. He's going to Instructional League in a few weeks. They're going to try to get him the at-bats that he, he missed, missed in yeah. those two months, uh, you know, through that, in that way. And then it'll be a short off-season for him, but... Hopefully he'll be you know ready to go in in uh, spring training. He'll beat for me. He'll be the main guy I'm excited to watch in spring training because I feel like if, if he has a big spring, like kind of like what Mullins did two years ago, mm -hmm. he'll he'll be in Baltimore. Yeah, another guy that um, has struggled with injury this season and appeared in just nine games. Hunter Harvey, uh, yes. the unfortunate yeah. side of the way that injuries can impact a player. Uh, he's going to be shut down for another week. Rockabaco reporting today that okay. you know he's, he's going to take a little bit more time, and then he's going to start to ramp up his throwing activity. It just seems like with this guy, obviously, he just can't stay healthy. And it, I think this what separates this year too is every year prior to this, it looked like he would show flashes of being great sure. and then get injured. This year, it seemed like he struggled in those nine appearances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, when you have nine appearances, like yeah, he yeah. pitched Not once with the shoulder injury, okay, and he gave up six runs in two innings. So if you just take even that one out, yeah, he was fine. Okay, even that one outing. So I think with Hunter Harvey, the the thing is that golly, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, he was drafted in 2013. We want him at Camden Yards, yeah. top of the rotation. Yeah. Now, I mean, he if he was healthy throughout the process, he would have been a base sock in 15 or 16. I mean, he would have been pitching in the major leagues a year or two ago. Brandon right. Klein, we might talk about down there. Yeah. Brandon Klein is, is in the same boat. It's mm -hmm. like, I was like, can Brandon Klein make it? It's like, look, Brandon Klein would have made it three years yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, so with, with Hunter Harvey, the minor leagues though are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, we really saw it with a left-handed pitcher named Brian Gonzalez this year, where boy, if you saw him in May and June, you'd say, let's just release him. Really? You know, and then if you saw him in August, you're saying, when are we sending him to Baltimore? You know, because <laughs> yeah. it's development. Yeah. And these guys need to pitch to develop. They're, they continually get better. Mm -hmm. So two things on Harvey is this. Number one, 
a lot of pitchers, especially when they get injured, they're not the same pitcher. When Matt Hobgood, Oriole first round pick about 10 years ago, when he got hurt, he was injured, he came back and he was throwing 85 to 88 miles an hour. And he wasn't the Matt Hobgood the Orioles drafted. Yeah. Harvey has had all of these injuries, all of this time off. He's still throwing hard. <laughs> He's still got his stuff. I mean, but you know, everyone said, boy, he just needs to pitch. And that's the problem. He has not been able to accrue the innings, the time. I mean, he's probably thrown 70 innings in the last three or four years. So, you know, that's what Harvey needs. He needs a healthy year, go out there, pitch 100 to 100, you know, probably, to be honest, the first year back, he'd pitch around 100 innings and probably do that at double, maybe even triple A, and hope that he's able to, you know, grow as a pitcher and not just be a guy that's got this incredible arm yeah. that can't stay healthy. Right. Obviously, it's been frustrating for Hunter Harvey. Yes. And, I mean, the Orioles are counting on him to being a staple in this rotation for years to come. Obviously, you know, he should have been here maybe a couple years ago had not been for injuries. Where does that balance go where, you know, he obviously wants to be up here and being pitching, but the Orioles also need to be cautious with him and let him get fully healthy so as to this not happen again or even further ruin his career. How does that balance play out between like player and organization, especially as a young top prospect? It's hard and it's hard because they're at a time now where obviously he's on the 40 man roster and you know, you only have a certain amount of time in the minors before you kind of need to make it. And yeah. Harvey's been in the minors a long time. By no means are the Orioles giving up on Hunter Harvey. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've not heard anything about this, but if they wanted to get him here quickly with his arm, and with worry about, you know, starting and the limitations and health, if they made him a reliever, he could get to Baltimore quickly. Right. He'd be throwing in the upper 90s, and, you know, he'd, he could be one of those dominant, like, let's try to make Hunter Harvey Andrew Miller. Yeah. But I, I just don't think they're giving up on the fact that he could be, you know, a number one or number two starter. And the Orioles are in a mindset now smartly so, of, look, you know, 2019 even, I mean, we want to put the best product we can out there, but, but we're looking in Baltimore to how do we do what the Astros did, yeah. right. where you're the worst team in baseball, and four years later, you're winning the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. And if Harvey can be that guy, why, why can't you be that with this rush of young players and, and be that team in 21 or 22? And, and why should we give up on Harvey being able to be that guy for us two or three years down the road? Yeah. Somebody that they've already made that transition with, you hinted at him earlier, Brandon Klein. Yes. Guy who struggled with so many injuries, multiple Tommy Johns, and ends up um, being converted into a reliever. He's 26 years old, same age as Kevin Gosman, and he's been a dominant closer for you dominant. guys um, yes. at AA. There's been talk, Steve Molesky has hinted at the fact that the Orioles might be looking to call him up soon. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. <laughs> he deserves we it. We and Bowie are rooting. We're rooting yeah. big time for it to happen. Uh, Brandon Klein had been out so long coming into this year that the last batter that he struck out in a professional game prior to 2018 mm -hmm. was Aaron Judge. <laughs> oh my uh, God. Okay, and I broadcast yeah. that game. It was on a wet, uh, damp May evening, or uh, actually it was an afternoon game in uh, Trenton, New Jersey. Aaron Judge was, you know, a fifth-round draft choice, hitting well in Double A. Mm -hmm. That nobody had any clue who he was. Right. Of course, it looked like Rob Gronkowski yeah, was, just was you know, guy. he was just enormous. Yeah. But uh, but but isn't it amazing? You know, yeah. Gary Sanchez was Trenton's catcher, and Brandon <laughs> Klein was starting pitcher. The next night, probably was Dylan Bundy. I mean, that's who he was. You know, and yeah. along the lines with he had also broken his leg. I mean, Klein is the same age as Kevin Gosman. 
Kevin Gosman was the first round pick of the Orioles in 2012 out of LSU, starting pitcher, the top starter out of LSU, one of the top programs in collegiate baseball. Mm -hmm. Klein was the second round pick, collegiate starter, junior, same age, out of UVA, one of the top collegiate programs in baseball. I mean, so yeah. they, same, you know, I mean, path. the yeah. same path. And we think of Gosman as being a major leaguer forever, and, you know, yeah. now he's gone. And so Klein, Klein's ready. He's ready for his opportunity. If he's not given the opportunity this year, it's for one reason. He's been injured for so long that they have put an innings limit on him mm -hmm. in the last month. If you look month to month, he pitched a lot more in June and July than he did in August. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Orioles really wanted the uh, Bay Sox to pitch him less. Gotcha. Uh, he never pitched in back-to-back -back days in August, never went more than an inning. So I, I think that there's still some innings for him in September, but if not, they're just being precautious and he's got a good chance of being in a in the Orioles bullpen uh, in you know in in 2019. Yeah, and uh, well, positive thing about our job, and obviously you calling the games, of sure. movies, like you get to see interact with these players and get to see like these kind of feel good stories. And Brendan yeah. Klein's one of those guys. He's a local kid from Frederick, yes. went to UVA. Now he's in the Orioles organization, and now we're kind of hoping that he can eventually make his way. He got to save 15 games out of 16 opportunities at a 1.8 ERA, had a phenomenal season, finally healthy. What's it like for you to like cover a guy like that in a story, a film story like that? Yeah, I saw Brandon Klein's grandfather yesterday yeah. at our game. I, I, I mentioned I was with the Keys for a long time. Brandon Klein's grandfather has been a longtime, you know, ticket plan holder of right. the Frederick Keys, and he told me. I don't even know when, to be honest. But he told me <laughs> probably 10 years ago about his grandson, and he was this pitcher wow. in high school. How many people are going to tell you about that? Oh, you're right. like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. And then they're like, hey, you know that uh, you know, that guy's grandson is That's it was wild. like a sixth-round draft choice at a high school this year. I'm like, what? <laughs> Brandon Klein is, I mean, Frederick, Maryland, it's a little bit out there, obviously. it's not. We don't think of it as a big city. Yeah. It's the second-largest city in, yeah. in our state. Mm -hmm. And... Klein is the highest drafted player ever from Frederick. So it's it's going to be a pretty yeah. pretty cool story. Incredible that he has been in our organization, and I can't wait to see him make it to Baltimore. Yeah, would be pretty cool. We mentioned a lot of the big-name guys yes. that we've talked about, you know, coming over in trades or other guys. Are there any guys that we haven't mentioned that you could see Say you know maybe ultimately getting the call up to Norfolk and eventually uh, Baltimore that really isn't on anybody's radar right now. Oh, undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly. Because okay, think about it, right? Like look at your prospect books that that the scouts, you know, everybody writes up. Yeah. There are three Bay Sox right now from opening day 2018 that are on the Orioles, and two of them you would have had no clue who they were, <laughs> right? One of which being Ryan Meisinger, and uh -huh. the other one being Paul Fry. Gotcha. Right. Up at the around the same other. time. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so who are those guys? Uh, uh, Martin Cervenka is the buoy catcher this year. Very interesting story. Came up in the Indians organization. He is from the Czech Republic. Whoa. Nobody plays baseball yeah. in Prague. I asked Martin if he was Pretty famous in Prague. He says, my family knows who I am. <laughs> right? so, so Martin Cervenka, uh, 26 years old, a little bit old. Mm -hmm. Now guess what? The 2017 catcher for the Bowie Bay Sox was a 26-year-old catcher named Austin Wentz. Gotcha. Okay, so, yeah. so there you go right there. Yeah. But Cervenka would have to be protected uh, this offseason. He'd have to be placed on the 40-man. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a real decision for the Orioles. He was the Orioles minor league player of the month in July. Uh, the thing is, you know, what he showed the second half of the year is that he could hit a little bit. He can really drive the ball. He's really just a pole power hitter. 
but he is a very, very good defensive catcher. Mm -hmm. And when you think about catching, I mean, that's one of those prime defensive positions that it's integral to have something like that. Yeah. Uh, God, it's hard when you're calling the game to know if a guy is a great pitch framer, but apparently he's a great pitch, you know, he is. He's gotcha. really good at framing pitches, incredibly accurate throwing arm, one of the top throwers in the Eastern League this year for catchers. So it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, I had one scout tell me Cervenka is going to be catching in Baltimore next year. Wow. And he and he's somebody, and obviously most Oriole fans don't know who Martin Cervenka is. Yeah, right. And most people from Prague don't either, yeah. apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Other guys, though, like Jay Flaw is a right-handed reliever. He was a sixth-round pick in 2015. Nobody, you know, I mean, Flaw doesn't throw 95. He's a low 90s guy from the right side. But, but I you know, they hit 150 against him this year in the <laughs> Eastern League. Wow. So why can't he be next year's Meisinger Fry? Yeah. Um, Tanner Kleberad is another reliever that had a very good season in Bowie. That's really under the radar. And lastly, Adeline Rodriguez is a big kind of power first baseman, 26 years old, so that's old for the level. Rodriguez had a, a second consecutive great season. Uh, he's only the second Baysock all-time to hit 20 home runs in consecutive years in Bowie. So it'll be interesting, he's a free agent. Um, along with a guy like Corbin Joseph that's a little bit on the older side. Will the Orioles sign guys like that back and probably have them in Norfolk? If not, I would assume they'll both be playing somewhere in AAA. Gotcha. My kind of dark horse for a September call-up, and uh, he actually played at AAA this whole season, mm -hmm. but I'm sure you're very familiar with him because he's the longest-tenured Oriole in the yes. Garbez Rosa. Yes. He's been here since 2007, and he's played 590 games at AA Bowie, so you've seen him play a bunch. How about that? Uh, never made the major leagues. With this kind of season the Orioles are having, I know they get the rebuild, they want to see what the young talent they have, but is there any chance you could probably see Rosa up at the big leagues and make his major Wouldn't league that be great? That'd be a fantastic story. It's, like. it's something that I hope to see. Rosa, this is how long Rosa's been in the Orioles minor leagues. He was the starting shortstop in Frederick in 2011 for the first half of the year, and then they called up two middle infielders from Delmarva. Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado. <laughs> yeah. And instead of moving Rosa to third base, mm. they wanted him to play it short. So Rosa, even though he's doing okay, he got sent down to Delmarva just so he could play for the second half of that year. He played all of 2012 in Frederick uh -huh. and then five years in Bowie from 2013 to 17. He is the only player ever to be the Eastern League MVP in both the regular season and the playoffs. Yeah. He was the That's playoff MVP in 15 and the regular season MVP last year. The, the thing about Rossi, he's always been such a rangy, great utility player. I always thought he almost fit a National League mold a little bit better in that way. Mm -hmm. Like the perfect guy to bring off the bench in a double switch because yeah. he can play third base, left field. I felt like last year he kind of tweaked his back. He wasn't moving defensively like he had been before. Where literally, you, like Gary Kendall, our manager a few years ago said, you know, Rosa's a middle infielder. He's our best defensive outfielder. You know, because he's got a good arm. Yeah. He's really rangy. And it's just, he's like, it's crazy. I just put him out in the center one night. I'm like, whoa, you know? <laughs> so uh, uh, the thing about Rosa that worries me about this year is that he's played mostly first base in Norfolk. Okay. And that says to me that maybe he has not been able to get that range back. Yeah. When you are a high minor league player that can't break through to the major leagues, you yeah. can still make a little bit of money but you have no off-season. So a guy like Rosa will play an entire minor league season, then he'll go home, he'll play in the Dominican Winter League all, all winter, right. and he'll make good money there. Mm -hmm. 
and then he'll come back. And, and sometimes I feel like it wears down some of these players. Yeah. More so where if Rosa was a guy making $10 million a year, he'd be going home and resting and getting ready for the next season yeah. instead of going and playing another season. So I, I really hope. Yeah. I mean, he's been in the – this is 13th season in the Orioles minors. When Zach Britton yeah. was traded, right? Yeah. Only Zach Britton had been in the organization longer. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Some he'll be 29 in October, too. So yeah. Yeah, he's getting up there in age. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Some great names. Awesome conversations. Thank you, guys. Adam Pohl, thank yeah, you so Adam, much for joining us. Thank you so us. much. Can we find you on Twitter? Yes. You know, somebody took Adam Pohl. I mean, who knew? Who, whose name is that? Yeah. Right? But, so I'm at Pohl. Adam, see what I did there. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Pull comma, Adam. In, in a way. <laughs> uh, and of course, the Bowie Bay Sox uh, you can catch them on Twitter. Season yes. just ended. Season but ended, but you know, one of the things that's really happened in minor league baseball, and mm. I'm saying this for Bowie Delmar because we've got Oriole fans all throughout the state. Mm. It's one of the great things we have, right? I mean, uh, we, we just played, uh, you know, Richmond. Richmond is the San Francisco Giants affiliate. Who in Richmond cares about the San Francisco Giants, yeah, right? Yeah, that's so that's what we have. We have our affiliates, Aberdeen, Delmarva, even Norfolk's not that far away. Yeah. Frederick, Bowie, whichever one you live around, uh, it's so easy to get what's called undated ticket plans. Mm -hmm. We sell them in eight and 16, some teams to 10. That means that you can just go and get, you know, bring, bring your family of four and get the four best seats in a certain section. And, gotcha. and uh, we sell those in the off season, get a bobblehead. Uh, so uh, you support the Orioles, come to Camden Yards, yeah. uh, but also come on out and see us in the minor leagues as uh, it's, it's really great, affordable family fun. Yeah, and when we went down from Mass and All Access to Prince George's Stadium, I mean, it's, it's a great stadium. Uh, the Bowie is an underrated city, I think in Maryland, so definitely. And keep, Paul, we keep made it, it a nice, cool afternoon for you, too. Yeah, right? yeah, really. <laughs> it was about 200 degrees. Yeah, that, man, most of it was filmed outside, so <laughs> dripping in sweat. But yeah. Adam, thank you so much for joining the yes, Mass and All Access so Podcast. Thank Appreciate you guys. It. Appreciate it, Adam. With Bobby Blanco, I'm Paul Mancana. We'll catch you guys later.